Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we are a married couple, happily married couple with four kids. And this is our podcast where we simply sit around and talk about something generally that we haven't talked about all week. And we try to make it at least something of substance, at least part of it, something of substance. Right. And pinning you down this week was very difficult for whatever reason. You were super busy with everything. I was super busy. I'm still super busy. And it's frigid outside. It's like minus nine. Our high today is like minus nine. I've had the little space heater going in my studio all day. And I was just remarking. I was asking her if it was cold and she said yes. And I've had it going all day and it just doesn't help. I'm sitting on my feet. Also, I'm drinking hot coffee, and it's a little bit of a gamble for me. I, Ever since reading the book Caffeine, who wrote the book Caffeine? Michael Pollan. Pollan. Yes, the food writer. He did, if you guys have never heard of the book Caffeine, and you love caffeine, you should read it, because or listen to it on audiobook. He reads it. Um, it's pretty fascinating to dive into like the history of caffeine, the economics of caffeine um, production around the world, which certainly is, he makes good arguments for fair trade sorts of things. Um, But he also talks about the impact that caffeine has on the body. And he stops consuming caffeine while he's writing the book and goes into such, like beyond his withdrawal symptoms, he goes into such of a mental slump because he's used to writing on the high that caffeine gives him. And he talks about how the way caffeine works with your body rhythms and things. And all of the sleep researchers he talked to in writing the book, not a single one of them consumed caffeine in any form. And so he quit using it. And then right at the, when he's going to write the last chapter, he's like, I'm going back to caffeine. And he <laughs> talks about, after not having had it for so long, this like incredible rush that he has. So spoiler alert if you do read the book at that by the end of the book his conclusion is he will give himself one cup of coffee on Saturdays so he can be super productive with like chores and things around the house <laughs> and here i am with my second cup of coffee for the day which is going to be dangerous one for my sleeping tonight and two because i might get partway through this and like be levitating on the ceiling and talking really really fast people are be like did this get bumped to one and a half times no molly just had her second cup of coffee and she hasn't consumed more than one cup of coffee uh, since the summer yeah i've limited my coffee now to so we make a single french press in the morning and i'm, I'm a coffee nerd so it's measured it's weighed it's ground properly 42 grams in, in a, a coffee french press, mill not a coffee, a coffee grinder in a coffee mill uh in a French press, and it's a thermal French press. So it's insulated. You can find them on Amazon. They're so it stays clever. hot, so you don't have to reheat your French press right. for a second. Because one of my favorite, my ultimate favorite way to drink a coffee is pour over. Like, I love, love, love our Chemex. But you don't get near, the flavor is just off the charts delicious. You don't get nearly the the amount of coffee with the same amount of beans. I still use 42 grams, but it yields about two and a half cups versus a full French press. Um, cause by the time your, your water saturates, you do the, I mean, the pour over is like by hand, you've got to time the bloom, right. And do all the nerdy things. Uh, so I don't drink it as much, but it's nice. Cause with the glass carafe, you can put it on the gas stove on low and keep it warm, which is really kind of clever. But anyway, so funny story though, my brother is one of my brother's former college classmates at Patrick Henry 
My brother did one semester there, and I will refrain him from any embarrassing stories. Um, but he, his college, his roommate at Patrick Henry started a, a boutique, high-end, um, machine-based pour-over system that I recently invested in. So I expect, and it gives me a discount coupon for the coffee maker. So it's called Ratio. So I'll probably end up increasing my coffee consumption again in the mornings because I'll make a full thermal carafe of this beautiful, delicious tasting pour over and just sip on it all morning. It'll be wonderful. A thermal carafe is bigger than a Chemex carafe? It's going to be a little bit bigger than the Chemex carafe. Yeah, it's well, kind of like the size You just have to save one of... cup worth for me and then I'll ruin the excellent flavor remember. by adding my homemade honey chocolate syrup. See... I disagree because you're going to add your homemade honey chocolate syrup mix, but it's going to be added to even better tasting coffee. So the whole thing will just get better. True. And my frothed half and half that I do in my amazing little frother. Speaking of the frother, we put that link in the show notes to our Amazon associate accounts. If you guys have any questions about anything you've been hearing, we email us. We've already responded. We had... For the first time ever, Molly and I sat down last night and like went through fan mail. It was so cool. Anyway, um, because we're advertising on World and Everything. I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, it was some fan mail, but also like questions. Yeah, uh, there was a couple long questions. So anyway, if you have questions, we do include links to some resources. So for example, if we mention an article that we're discussing, like I want to talk to you about Owen Strayan's podcast today, Mm -hmm. he will include a link if you go to actually too busy to flush.com and click on that picture of the episode it will take you to it's essentially a blog post with the picture and the is it an mp3 player embedded there's, a, in there's it? an embedded mp3 so you can play player. the podcast mm-hmm. on our website itself and then below that are all of the links of things that we have tried to remember that we talked about yes and sometimes we'll forget but you can send us emails and messages which is really fun um, so yeah, we included a link to this really cool milk frother that Molly found on Amazon. It's like 30 bucks and it just, we had, I had an espresso machine for a while, like a legit espresso machine and it was fun to make coffee like you would if you worked at Starbucks. And I think I'm what, 41, I think anybody in there, uh, in our demographic might have probably worked at a, as a barista at least once or in their life. Or being married to right? somebody who Yeah, did. exactly. So it's fun to make that kind of coffee especially when you can do it well, but it takes time and energy. And then you have four kids and it's like, they all want steamers. So you're making gobs of, and it's just, you're cleaning and all the things. And, and I just, and but now this you cute have little this milk frother. It's like single serving, but the kids can make their own steamers and they can choose more foam or less foam. And they all have their preferences. And the thing about that I love about the more foam is we can add some vanilla and a dab of honey to it. And so the foam itself is more like whipped cream because it's sweetened instead of just boring foam. Right. So anyway. It's kind of fun. That. So you guys should check it out. We'll include another link to the show notes. <laughs> another <laughs> link in the show notes. Because we're nerdy. To talk about coffee because I love, love coffee. But with that, when I started... Speaking of coffee, the Black Rifle Coffee Company... Mm-hmm. Um, Did they, they get canceled too? No, they just oh. donated like... A quarter of a million dollars to the Barstool Sports Fund oh, for nice. small businesses, particularly nice. small. It's mostly small rest- restaurants, but it's other small businesses too. Like I've seen them support dance studios. You guys, if Molly's you haven't been checked binging out, on Barstool they Sports. They are so so. David Portney is the president of Barstool Sports. I don't necessarily like him as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he's kind of crass. He's just your average like guy type of guy who would start an online gambling company, right? But he started this fund to support small businesses through these COVID shutdowns because he's like, look, the government is not doing it's going to kill every small business in our country, particularly in places that are super locked down. And they have an application process where people send them videos or like the daughter of the owners of a Mexican restaurant sends, submits a video on their behalf. And then the way he reveals to these people that they've received these grants and the fund is big enough that it's not just a, we're going to send you a pile of money, a one-time pile of money. It's our staff is now going to be in touch with you on a monthly basis from now until your state opens back up and you're able to be in full business. And we will get you what you need to keep all of your employees employed and keep your doors open until your restaurant can open back up again. So this is a huge, it's not like a one-time thing. And so people submit these and then he calls them on FaceTime and he puts together supercuts of his FaceTime calls to these people. And some of them have no idea what it why they're getting this random FaceTime call, which I wouldn't even answer it, right? Like maybe he might have to like text I people and like answer your phone. Everything. Um but but the people who have submitted the application themselves, it's it's so incredible to watch them flip on their FaceTime and their facial expressions. I mean some of them swear out loud. Holy bleep. Like be, and then they Almost all of them start weeping because here is a guy who out of the goodness of his heart and thousands and thousands of just normal Americans who were contributing money and then like black coffee, or the black rifle coffee, mm-hmm. you know, people who are still doing okay because they're mail order business and they're veteran owned. So they've got their fan base, you know, um, you know, they're putting in big chunks or like, <laughs> I don't know my celebrity names, but some football player, Aaron Rodgers. Is he a football player? Yeah. Okay. Packers? Quarterback. Packers. Okay. Yep. So. Wow. Well done. Okay. So there are a couple of restaurants around his stadium that he specifically contributed to Barstool Sports in order to keep those restaurants that are dying, not only because of the shutdowns, but because there's no games being played there and they depend on the foot traffic. Right. Um, and so he and Portney are on the phone calls to these restaurant owners um, who make their living on the outskirts of his stadium in Wisconsin. And, you know, he's like, like for him, it's personal. Like, I want to, you know, I love your hamburgers. I want to keep you going. And they're all like, we love you, Aaron Rodgers. And they're weeping. But <laughs> it's such a good, you guys, if you haven't watched him, he posts him on Instagram. I'll under, come home and Molly It's like Barstool President. I'll be looking at her and she'll just see tears coming well, down. Well, I mean. So I, of course, I, I, I do. Like, I cry when I watch this. I feel like too. I had a really bad Sunday the day I first discovered it. And I binged like 30 minutes straight of watching these little three to five minute super cuts of him making these phone calls to people. But just what an expression of, of they their expressions of hope and of relief. Like these people have now spent almost a year frantically, not just trying to survive themselves, but a lot of them have a lot of employees who have been faithfully working with them. And they're all just, you know, without hope and, um, of course, I could Jesus juke myself and be like, well, you really need Jesus, not David Portney. <laughs> Stop. Um, but what an incredible... Common grace. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible 
tangible way to show love and care for fellow image bearers who are in need. And I mean, certainly the Old Testament and the New Testament have a lot to say about wishing someone well when they're in need versus actually doing something to take care of that need. And you know the difference by the look on someone's face when they turn on open FaceTime and they see David Portney's face on there. So um, That's I don't cool. know if you can watch it if it's not on Instagram. We can try to look it up. And or if you don't want to be on Instagram this, yeah. because everybody's canceling Let's everybody. Say we could put a leak to it on on the show notes to the Instagram stories. Traffic to Instagram. But maybe he's on YouTube too. Not that we want to drive traffic to YouTube. YouTube just deplatformed Lila Rose, the like, you know, young undercover Planned Parenthood gal. They just deplatformed her entire organization. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot for, of stuff going down right now. It's there's, crazy. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity for startups. I think there's the underground the underground is happening. The underground is going to start. We're moving to email threads. We're moving to text strings. We're yeah. moving the to... The thing is, I I hope... I really appreciate these voices that keep speaking up, though, because people that, in my humble opinion, <laughs> are on the left who live in this incredible echo chamber that they don't even realize um, because they never see alternative media... like. I am in the process of crafting a response to a fairly condescending response to something I shared on Inst- on Facebook. And I know you want me off of Facebook, but here's the deal. I appreciate, <laughs> I like being on Get Facebook. Get off the devil's here's the, here's the deal. I am not afraid of people thinking I'm stupid. I am a prideful enough person. <laughs> that your I know opinion, I'm not stupid. Your opinion doesn't actually dissuade me from thinking really highly of myself. <laughs> And so if you think your opinion doesn't if matter. you're going to post on something that I say and tell me that I'm an idiot and tell me that you thought more highly of me than to um, have fallen for these, and I quote, hysterical, conser- no, conservative hysteria machine. Mm, um, conservative hysteria machine. I, I actually am going to keep this G-rated, but I don't care. <laughs> I couldn't give a whole bag of art. Flying. I don't. I couldn't. I don't care more than the tiniest dog turd in our yard. I'll say that. (laughs) And so, so for me, but there are a lot of people who self-censor because, first of all, they do care, and second of all, they don't feel like they can coherently make the case for things that they're arguing against the well-oiled machine that is i mean like the aclu published this whole thing about trans athletes on twitter and the it it was so easy to debunk but because i have spent years studying transgenderism i saw right through but how many people didn't and how many times did that get shared and people got cowed into silence so i think people who are a not afraid of being canceled and b i mean for one thing i'm I'm a stay-at-home mom. How are you going to come at me? Cancel me. Do your best. (laughs) I mean, the best thing they can do, unfortunately, France is facing a vote right now to ban homeschooling. Like, I mean, they could do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it might be coming down the pike. But right now, you who are insulting me on Facebook, you can't cancel me. So I'm going to stand up for the people who are being canceled. I don't care. This is probably the coffee speaking. I'm getting a little worked up. (laughs) (laughs) See, Dead Reckoning burned me out of all this. I just got, I didn't, 
it's I didn't care, but I got so tired of just. I felt like all my arguments were falling see, were fr- fruitless. They're so falling on deaf ears. Nobody I, wants to see, listen. See, I right? disagree because weirdly enough, you have this, a whole different this, circle than I, I do. I do have a whole different circle, and what I have so. Earlier in the summer, I don't even know what I posted about, and these same two guys who never say anything nice to me ever online, all they Why do is they come at me. You? We went to seminary together, and I'm somehow the one who's a who's an unthinking sheep you now. You were a woman at seminary. I was a woman at seminary, so <laughs> so they knew who I was more than I necessarily knew who they were. I trust they're probably not listening to this. Um, I hope they're listening. I well, come at me, guys. Come out here to Montana. No, I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, like, we we didn't really have much of a relationship. I would not have considered them friends in seminary. They were acquaintances. Okay. And so, you know, when Facebook, you know, you get on Facebook, you accept friend requests from like for a while. I was Facebook friends with friends of your sister that I'd never ever met, mm-hmm. you know, but because they were family friends of you, they felt like they should be friends with me when we got yeah, married. Truly sort of thing. And I've gradually filtered those out, but you know, it's like, I don't, now am I just being a reactive? Like I want to live in my comfortable little echo chamber if I unfriend these guys, but they only ever come at me with fairly condescending things. To Are say. they pastors? <laughs> um, one is a, one is a either university <laughs> or seminary professor. And oh, yes, good. the other is, I believe a pastor. Good. Um, good. so I hope their so marriages here, are well, <laughs> families are happy. Right. I mean, we don't wish ill. Do they people. love? Do they love their dissenting congregational members the same way, or their dissenting? Maybe students? they don't have dissenting congregation members. No, but so so here's just saying. Where was I going with this? I don't know where I was going, but cancel I'll tell you culture. where I should be. Yeah, cancel culture. Anyway, I'm forming a response that needs to be more tempered and loving um, <laughs> than it would be right now. Um, okay, so here's one thing I've been so, genuinely contemplating in right. regard to this, though. So yesterday, it's a little embarrassing how you can read, be a Christian your whole life and read scripture and be like, I've never thought of that that way. And it's like one of the most well-known verses in the New Testament. Like every day. Yeah. Okay. So yesterday, 1 Peter 5, I actually need to turn on my phone and open it up. Um, I... I'm reading to get ready for our small group because I was trying to be an overachiever. And First Peter 5, sorry, I'm not prepared. I'm typing it into my phone because I'm a heathen and read my phone on Bible on my phone. Okay, First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, comma, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay, so I grew up reading the NIV. The NIV is humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, period, capital C, cast all your your cares, cast all your anxieties or cares on him because he cares for you. So this section at the end of 1 Peter is a whole bunch of what feel like parting comments, like you're sending your son off to school, like, be good, don't drink and drive, don't, Mm -hmm. you know, treat women well, don't do anything I wouldn't do, eat healthy, and get good sleep and good, good grades. You know, like they're they're related because they're just parting shots at someone that you want to be living a good life, but you don't necessarily see them as continuation of the same thought. In the ESV, and I didn't have time to check the Greek, sorry. Um, <laughs> but I'm trusting the ESV here. Um, 
I'm not sure if my Greek is sharp enough that I would have gotten it anyway. But strong so, strong will get you there. So go. So did you ever have to diagram sentences as a kid? Mm-hmm. And I've diagrammed them in Greek too. Okay, so diagramming sentence. <laughs> I took a course. Okay, so the Latin main the main thought in this one sentence is humble yourselves. Period. Therefore, would be like before that. Mm-hmm. Humble yourselves. How do you humble yourself? A sub- subordinate clause would be under the mighty hand of God. Subordinate to that is so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And then probably subordinate again, coming off of humble yourselves is the gerund phrase modifying how you humble yourself, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So there is a relationship, a direct relationship between being humble and casting your cares on God. The Bible study book that we're doing that I don't necessarily love because it's kind of too much for me. Well, um, they, uh, they ask some weird questions. They ask too. weird questions and it's really long. Like it's, it, it's longer than I feel like it should be for the way that it's formatted and branded anyway. Um, but they do make the point that there's a relationship between humbling yourself under God and casting your anxieties on a God who cares for you. And I like the parallelism that he's the mighty hand of God. He cares for you. And should I stop talking? Well, I don't know. <clears throat> My computer's doing that weird I'm gonna fall asleep thing. No, it looks like it's still going, but I'm going to turn off my screensaver because that's not helpful. It must have. Do you need something? Mm, Okay, well, Daddy and I are recording this, and you are not welcome to interrupt us. You. I'm totally including this in the show. Elise, go get a good banana. Eat a good banana. We will be eating dinner in less than an hour. Um, what can I do? What can you do? Is your room clean? Okay, then you I will have, come gather stuff up. Do you to, have your gi pants laid out? Do you have your gi all ready to go to judo? That's a good problem to have. A bad problem. I have, I have your top in my bag from yesterday. Can Close you shut our my door, door, please. please. Carry on. <sighs> okay. So, in this note, in this Bible study book, they make the point that there is a relationship between humbling yourself before God. And not being anxious. And there's also a neat parallelism that you're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, but that mighty God cares for you. So you have his sovereignty and his imminence or, you know, his being with us uh, in the same thought. And that's also why we can trust him with our anxieties, because he's both all powerful to handle our concerns as well as all loving to want to handle our concerns. But, um, so I've, I've been thinking about yesterday. I was 
just feeling behind the ball, constantly behind the ball. The kids, you know, are creating new problems or new messes. And I was just all, I was just anxious, like tight shoulders, short of breath, pretty much all day. And literally had to stop and take deep breaths sometimes because I was breathing shallowly. And I had like a 15 minute window and I was like, I could either exercise or do this Bible study. And I did the Bible reading and just, it just arrested me because I was like, how is the anxiety that I'm feeling right now? And that I've been feeling all day of fruit of pride in my heart. Because if there's humility equals relief from anxiety because we're trusting God and humbly casting our cares on God, then the mirror image of that is that pride is producing anxiety for me. And I just sort of think, you know, do I do I think I should be better at managing four kids? And all of life than I am, do I think that, do I have unrealistic expectations, i.e. pride about how my house should look or how caught up on the laundry I should be? Do I have pride in that I think that you should think I'm more on top of things like the laundry or the bathroom floods or the toddlers wearing pants or even a diaper sort of thing. Um, you know, so that there's all sorts of ways that I can look at how I have a root of pride that's producing a fruit of anxiety. And then, of course, worry slash fear, which are members of the same family, is a root of anger. And so where the kids are concerned, my anxiety manifests itself often as anger. You asked your heart questions. I did ask my heart questions, but I appreciated that scripture, as God seems in his all-powerful wisdom to do over and over, made the very brief window of reading that particular verse profitable for teaching and rebuking and growing righteousness <laughs> in that I've never necessarily, <clears throat> I mean, I I regularly, particularly when I have a cane of ox call in the morning, as I did, and I was up late studying and reading things to prepare for it. And so, you know, I was not on the ball in terms of um, breakfast for the kids or getting their kids their school in line for the day. And so it was just this, I felt behind all day and was breathless and anxious. And then realizing that there was potentially some root of pride fueling that. And I also was reflecting on that verse today because after I posted sort of a little bit flippantly, so what I posted on Facebook was a Not the Bee article. So if you guys don't read the Babylon Bee, you should because they're hilarious. But there's also... (sighs) Our six-year-old is sitting right outside the door listening to an audiobook at full volume and eating a banana. Hey, can you turn that down a little bit? We can hear it in here on the microphone. Okay, can you go sit over there on the couch then? Can you do one of them, please? You want to do one of them. Turn down a little bit or... Sit right there. Sit right there. You can still see us. Okay. No, so I posted this Not the Bee article about Disney canceling 
the character who plays Cara Dune, I can't remember her name. Gina. Gina Caruno or something. Anyway, I mean, it's, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of things going into that, that I haven't necessarily cared to closely follow, but not the Beast comment on the whole cancellation thing was, this is not the way. And part of the, (laughs) part of the reason I posted it was just because of that. Like, that's funny. So I can have a sense of humor in the midst. That's really funny. I can have a sense of humor in the midst of my outrage, right? I thought that was funny. So I post that. And then, you know, like a couple of my, I went to Hillsdale College, you guys. So if you're familiar with Hillsdale College, a couple of my Hillsdale friends are like, ugh. Now we have to cancel Disney Plus sort of thing, right? Yep. So, and then these two guys that we've already discussed jump on. And my heart was immediately filled with anxiety and related things, anger, defensiveness, fear about responding, fear of uh, fear of man. What am I going to say? Can I actually defend the things that they're accusing me of because I actually find it a very... Oh, I know where all of this is going, the first discussion. I actually... So when these two guys came at me in the summer, I had at least a dozen people private message me that they appreciated that I didn't back down. They appreciated seeing someone that they agree with work hard at articulating reasons for why I stand for what I stand for. And it is hard work. I'm not going to lie. I am, all of America is intellectually lazy and so am I, but I'm training myself to not be be, for my sake, but also for the sake of my kids. And also I know you hate Facebook, but there are people watching who are being challenged. It's great. They can watch you. And bolstered. I mean, I, I, I'm fine with that. Great. It's great. I find it a very good intellectual challenge for me to not just have a flippant response to them, but actually to say, like, this is why I think this is problematic. And this is why I think that it's problematic in a way that you in your echo chamber don't seem to be aware of. And I'm not going to apologize for finding it problematic because that's how we go down the road of silencing, you know? Um, in my humble opinion, but I, I was, I went back to this first Peter verse where I was like, you know, I want to be responding out of earlier in first Peter, like be prepared to give an answer, but do it with gentleness and respect, not my pride is injured and I'm going to respond flippantly and rudely because I'm not just responding to them. I still don't actually really care how they take my response. See, I just laugh at them. See, here's the thing, though. They're or I, ignore them. I guarantee. If they were in person, I'd be like, I all, <laughs> I just right? I mean, they wouldn't. Say, they wouldn't say this crap to me in person, right. either. Um, but it's telling. But I mean, not only when they not say it to me in person, they'll never see me again. Like we don't have a relationship. You should turn around and post his comments on his church website. I his church Facebook no, page. I don't need to do that. All I'm saying is there are a lot of, there are, there are more people (laughs) who care what I say than them. I don't care what they think about my response. I care about what all of the silent people who maybe will put a like on my response, um, 
or who will text me or private message me and say, I appreciate your response. That makes me feel stronger and like I can stand for it. And you feel like they, the one comment you told me one time, you said, I got a comment from so-and-so and she said, thank you. I don't feel like I'm crazy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I do it for them. I'm not doing it for these two guys that it's not going to help their opinion of me. They're not going to change their mind. Um, so anyway, I love that, that first Peter verse is working in my heart right now. First, Peter. we have a saying or not a saying, but I'm always trying to orient the kids and myself, frankly, to always get down to the root of why something is happening or why you're responding a certain way. Like anger can be, anger is probably the best anger, frustration can probably be the two best things for diagnosing there's a problem going on in your heart. And as I tell the kids, I say, ask your heart questions. <laughs> I actually have a thought about that. James, <laughs> but James tells us what, what causes? causes fights and quarrels among you. It's the desires that wage war in your heart. And, and what are those desires? Well, there are things that you want that you're not getting or things that, that are happening to you or you're getting that you don't want. Right. What are those? What's causing that? Okay. So the book, what's the book called? I'm going to have to look it up. It's a book about understanding how your kids' brains work. Like oh, one of those new fancy, yeah. Um, it's, and it's, um, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up later. In the show notes, it will be, the link will be, like, the book Molly will be couldn't there. remember. <laughs> but it has these pictures of how a kid's brain works. Uh-huh. And, um, and the part of their brain that manages fight or flight is way bigger as an infant and it gets smaller. I think it's called the amygdala. Um, my ignorance is going to be showing here. So I'm just going to, but so in the kids, in the book, when they're explaining to kids, they, they use their fist and you make a fist with your thumb underneath it. Like you're not so a fist that you're not supposed to use to punch people. Master Fujiwara used to like make a sh- show, not your thumb inside either, but not like, you know, more like right. the letter, the sign language letter E. And this is this up here is your upstairs brain. And this is the more sophisticated reasoning brain. And then down here is your fight or flight. And I've heard it referred to as the reptilian brain as well, which is just pure instinct. And kids need to be trained to, when they're feeling any sort of strong emotion, the fight or flight part of their brain just takes over. It's instinct. And we have to help them move back up to their upstairs brain and when I don't know if you kind of like when Lily falls apart in an emotional cry. Yes. And so, so they're one of the things that they teach that I try to use with the kids is you, you can't reason them from fight or flight up to reasoning. You have to make them feel safe and heard and understood in their emotional response before you can train them to move to a reason. So rather response. than coming down on them, well, so what really I'm, hard and throwing down and discipline, get on it. No, but not just that. But first. but to me, even like, I think once in the last month, you've told me ask your questions, and I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> She's I'm flipping flip me off right bird. now, you guys. <laughs> it's offensive in the midst of right. totally offensive, but it's true. It is true, but but for the kids particularly, I think that. When we're saying ask your questions, we need to be better at saying, um, like, I, I hear you. I understand you. I know that, you know, for example, Elise wandering in here, interrupting us. 
because she's sad, she feels left out. She's her emotions are running how she's responding to this situation. And so even to acknowledge, I I see how you're feeling. I understand that you're sad, that you feel left out, that you feel out of control. Well, and that's saying that, but that's also, yes. And I, I try to do that, you know, in the context of like, look, you're being controlled, but, but your you, feelings are legit. Yes. Their feelings but are we, legit. We need, I think that I'm need to grow in, especially because I'm not good with feelings. <laughs> I don't like all of the emotions. She sends the girls to me. You that guys. Girls she sends the have. girls to me. Um, and so I'm working at being better at managing my own response to their emotions in valuing them and legitimizing how they're feeling before. Oh, I need to do the same thing too. Coming down on them and fixing them. And you need to do the same thing for me. Don't tell me to ask my questions. (laughs) (laughs) Was I doing it in jest? No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Oh, maybe I was frustrated with you. Sounds like something I would do if I was frustrated. I've, I've tried working with you and I'm over it. You were texting me. Ask your hard me. questions. You I'm going somewhere me. else. Yes. Yeah, um, it's me so being a jerk. I don't really have a good segue for this, but um, like maybe I'm trying to remember. You, Owen, you were going to go into Owen Strand's Yeah, that, I know. I, don't, I was trying to think. Living of in fear and anxiety. I was, yeah, I was trying to think how long ago I listened to that podcast because I shared it like crazy when I first did. And anyway, so Owen Strayan is a professor at Midwestern Baptist Seminary mm-hmm. and kind of a wonderful guy, culture, culture guru, really insightful. We months ago have referenced, we never got through. He's got this YouTube series that we started on Christianity and wokeism or something wokeness. like that. Wokeness. And it's, it's long. It's like eight one hour sessions or something well, I think like it's that. only four one hour sessions. Okay. That he did at a church. That's long. A couple of months ago, it's really insightful. Um, really good. It, but um, but he, I follow on Instagram, and Satan's Playground, and he. Um, <laughs> That's Facebook. He posted That's Twitter a, actually a link to they're all like Satan's Playground, Satan's Backyard, Sorry. Satan's Bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which one is which? You guys which, can weigh in. Send me our texts and tell him which one of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know, honestly, like TikTok is like Satan's bathroom, you know, or Snapchat. Like singing in the shower or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, text which, me 406-318-7136. 406-318-7136. Text me which one is Satan's what and why. <laughs> this is going to be really funny. I hope um, you have some clever people listening. Um, so anyway... <laughs> Um, I, uh, he posted a link to this podcast that he did. And the title of the podcast is something better than safe. And parts of it weren't earth shattering, but the way he put all of it together. And the idea was that Americans are worshiping safety in the midst of this COVID pandemic. And so he goes into why, and he's like, look, I value being safe. I look both ways before I cross the street. I'm training my kids to do the same thing. I take reasonable precautions in everything. And he he belabors this point to the point where you're like, okay, we get it. And he's like, but what we have in the response to the pandemic is not about safety anymore. It is far beyond reasonable precautions. And it's it's 
harming souls and it's harming individuals in other ways. And he goes into the root of why do we have this obsession with safety? And he's like, at root, we're trying to control death. And look, we're all going to die. And in America, we seem to be in denial of the fact that we all have a date with the Grim Reaper. And we don't get to control when that is. And he he goes to the story of Joseph, interestingly enough. And he talks about how, you know, it's so easy to skip to the end of, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But you're like, look, he's like, look, he was in a pit in the middle of the desert. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. He interpreted... And then he was kind of a vindictive little punk. I'm reading right through... Right through Genesis right now, and his brothers keep coming back, and he keeps like sticking stuff Taylor, in their bags uh, and telling yeah. them they need to but keep his brothers there. But that's also a test. That's also a test of character. A lot, most of that was a test of character. True. Where you Comes see how you see how the part. brothers have changed. Like, right? You know, is it Simeon or Reuben who's like, I, Simeon. I can't ask my well, dad. Simeon and Reuben. I can't ask my dad to send his beloved son because. Right. The number one one has already been dead and losing number two would kill him. Right. And he's been okay with, you know, in in round one, he was okay with dad's grief. And so his attitude towards grieving his father. Well, Reuben changed. wasn't because Reuben tried to talk them all out of it. He he convinced them to sell him rather than to leave him in the pit to die. Um, but and then the brothers and then when Benjamin is thrown into prison because he'd had the golden cup. You know, they're like, take us instead. And as opposed to, we can't wait to get rid of this bothersome It was Simeon the first time, and then they went back, and then they came back with Benjamin. Yeah, so Benjamin, you know, but then they're they're willing to die. You guys were deliberating. The point is, Owen Strand and Joseph. So Joseph, well, he, <laughs> yeah. So he, he basically makes the point, he's like, he was never safe. There's not a single, I mean, mm. every time he felt like he was safe in the path to Pharaoh's palace, every time he felt like he was safe, some catastrophe was just around the bend. And we never know in our lives what catastrophe is just around the bend. So we have to have a higher view of what safe is. And he goes to the whole C.S. Lewis is the lion safe? No, but the lion is good. And so the the turn of phrase that I absolutely loved in this is what we have that's better than safe is that we are saved. And we then act out of being saved in terms of how we understand ideas like loving our neighbor. And he's like, th- this idea in American evangelicalism right now Maybe this is why I liked the article so much is I don't like being chided by people that I'm not loving my neighbor well. Right. Because I'm not doing what they think I should be doing. And, you know, that again, that goes to my pride. Like, I don't like being told what to do. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it goes to at root. Why do you and particularly you with your secular worldview get to dictate what loving your neighbor looks like, which is a biblical command. And I think in a lot of ways, I mean, even going back to these these two guys on my <clears throat> Facebook page, like, why, why is it that 
you agree with 90% of what's going on in the world and you call yourself biblical. Like Jesus doesn't really make promises to you that if your Christianity looks 90% like the world, but you still claim Jesus is Lord, that might not mean Jesus is Lord what you think it means. <laughs> you know, where, you know, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with being canceled by the world or people thinking that I'm an ignorant echo chamber housewife um, because I'm working hard to search the scriptures and make sure that my beliefs line up with scripture and that, you know, particularly going back to the Strayan comments, what does it mean to love my neighbor? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to toot my own horn and I think we could improve a lot, but I think that we work pretty hard to love neighbor and to the people around us, the people that God actually has put in our lives, not the random people online or not the people who would feel good if we affirmed right. their gender or if I did appropriate pronouns on my Twitter bio, which I'm not on Twitter, but again, that's a Karen, whatever her name is. She put as her pronouns, beep, bop, boop, <laughs> after being pressured to have her pronouns in her Twitter bio. But um I, you know, so whatever, whatever progressive Christianity is going to define as loving your neighbor, I'm not going to let them tell me what that looks like. And if that looks like wearing three masks to church, I'm comfortable saying, I, I don't think that we're not having church as many churches around the country still are doing. Um, I don't necessarily think that they get to tell me what it looks like to love my neighbor. And it's somehow unloving for us to have another family over for dinner because we're putting them at risk, you know, or we're putting <laughs> their thought, sick, their elderly grandmother at risk. You know, I, I, I believe we're getting close to time, but, um, you know, I, I think it's helpful to, I've been kind of having my idea of what is loving kind of reoriented a little bit. Um, and there was one particular instance that made that happen, but it's almost like, is really the loving thing to create more division? Is really the loving thing to put up more barriers between people and actually to not gather, not fellowship, not be in community with one, one another? And I'm wondering, I don't have any, this is just a pure thought, but I wonder if we're subtly all being deceived into thinking that being loving to somebody is isolation and lone and, and being alone. I you would know? And almost I'm like, guarantee you, I, I would almost guarantee you there's a screw tape letter about that. Hmm. They need to look convince that. them that they're being loving by minding their own business, by keeping themselves safe in their own little yeah. bubble. Yeah. If that thought's in, been running around in my head recently and I haven't really like delved into it much, but I thought, are we really is this really the loving thing to do or am I being deceived here and don't realize it? <laughs> but look, I mean, look at even in our own church, like little disagreements. If you're not in regular meeting together, right. you wonder about them. You wonder about what they're said, what they said, and then you assume the worst and you question their motives. And there's no, you could maybe text or send an email, maybe, but you're probably not going to. And that doesn't translate well anyway. And so- Months down the line, you're holding on to bitterness at what you believe was this person's motivation. And 
there's there's a division sown in the body where if even if you didn't have that conversation, if you were in fellowship with that person face to face, you would probably feel more charitable towards them. Yeah. Interesting thought. And I'm not saying that hypothetically. I'm saying that about my own heart again. Well, I know I I'm a lot more compassionate and gracious to people when I'm with them face to face. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Which is really funny. And even it's if, not it's not even just the, if I believe they're totally bonkers. And it's not just that I'm like I actually do kind of care like I I do care like you as a person. Even yeah, if I it's don't not just you. the lack of the safety of the anonymity or the wall of the internet. Right. There's something that happens to our hearts about being in the physical presence of someone else that makes us realize like you're a human being with struggles and with multifaceted issues going on. Is somebody writing this book yet? Somebody's got to be working on a book right now. Anybody out there working on a book right now? I don't know. I'm in a little echo chamber. I just read what I want to read. So I don't know. I, well, I read what I want to read too, (laughs) but we now have like a lot of listeners, which is pretty cool. So anyway, Hey guys, we are, we are out of time. And I just finished my cup of coffee. Molly's got to get dinner. Uh, going. I've got to get the kids rounded up. We've got to find geese and get everything together. Because we leave for judo we in less for than an hour. Judo, yeah, here really soon. So um, that said, thanks for listening. If you would like to reach out to us, I've already given the tech my text number here earlier. It is my actual, it's a Google voice number, so it goes right to my phone. 406-318-7136. You can also email us at too busy to fly, or tb2f at pm.me tb to the number two f at pm.me and you can send us a postcard on our website you can subscribe for updates and emails or kind of whatever you want to do totally cool so please do don't that. try to friend me on facebook because i only accept friend requests from people i know personally and these two guys that i don't yeah. really know anymore that you know i'm gonna let them be my foils and we don't have <laughs> and we don't have a facebook account anymore i took it down we do have an instagram account that we rarely post to uh, so if you do want to stay connected, um, I think I, I love the underground model. I love texts and emails and like I'm, I'm down with that. So so do that um, and share us with your friends. That's huge. If you guys love us, share us with your friends. Tell them why you love us. And that makes everybody, if it's been a for benefit to you, you guys share our benefit to us because it's a lot more fun to do these when you know people are liking what you have to say. Even if they don't like what you have to say. Um, it's just fun doing it. And we enjoy doing this um, a lot. Sometimes it's the only conversation we have during the week. So anyway, that said, uh, toobusytoflush.com. Send us an email, send us a text, uh, rate us five stars on Facebook, do all your thing. And don't forget to look at the link in the show notes. And that's it. I'm done. I'm out. Talk to you guys next week.